This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I went to Aziz's house. I sat with him an hour, and I was a big fan of Parks and Rec. I had sat through so many staff eating conversations, which is what that felt like, where you literally have to go in and be your authentic self. And that's what I did. And then I got a call saying, okay, Aziz wants you to read with him. Welcome to Idea Generation's All Angles, a podcast about culture's most influential brands and the teams that built them. If you're an entrepreneur, creative, or anyone interested in harnessing the power of collaboration, join me, Noah Callahan Bever, each week as we dissect the most dynamic companies in culture, because the only way to truly understand success is to look at it from all angles. Idea Generation's All Angles is a Will Packer Media podcast. In 2018, Lena Waithe, an Emmy Award-winning writer and actor from Chicago, founded Hillmangrad, a film and television development and production company. With the help of CEO Rishi Rajani, Waithe and Hillmangrad would realize the company's unique vision, focusing on marginalized storytellers and giving a platform to diverse voices across all mediums. On the strength of Lena's ascending star and Rishi's meticulous implementation of their shared vision, 
the company would experience a string of rapid successes, securing deals and landing projects at Showtime, Netflix, Disney, Amazon, and more. But along the way, as always happens, with scaling success comes public scrutiny and internal challenges, and Hillmengrad is no exception. On this week's episode of All Angles, we talk with founder Lena Waith, CEO Rishi Rajani, as well as VP of Operations Justin Riley and President of TV and Film Naomi Funabashi to get the complete story of how they built Hillmengrad into one of the most successful young production companies in Hollywood. But before any of that happened, years prior to Hillmengrad putting their first show on air, Lena Waith, a young screenwriter from the busy streets of Chicago, was heading to Los Angeles to chase her dreams in Hollywood. I came to Los Angeles with the hopes of being a television writer. That's really why I came out here from Chicago. I came out here in 2008, which feels like forever ago. It was really about doing writers groups and going to events and panel after panel. And it was all of that. There wasn't a a ton of social media. It was beginning, but it wasn't being used the way it is now. And then obviously applying for assistant gigs, internships, wherever you could. And and so I started getting assistant gigs around assistant gig on girlfriends. I interned at literary agencies. And then I got a gig working for Gina Prince-Bythewood. And then I started working for Ava. So I really kind of got a chance to learn under people that have been doing it for a long time and knew what they were doing. And I got to watch them in action, which was really great. Having her foot in the door, Lena began to work her way through the industry. Soon her assistant gig led her to other opportunities and writing credits on Fox's Bones and Nickelodeon's How to Rock. As Lena started to get known around town, Rishi Rajani, a recent NYU grad with a love for film and television, decided to leave behind his investment banking career and take a shot at Hollywood. NYU was great because it exposed me to a lot of stuff. It exposed me to a lot of different kinds of people. It was sort of into the city and especially the, the film business, which is something, again, that I, I, I had no idea really existed. I think we all kind of grow up knowing that there's directors and writers in theory. I didn't really know that there were careers in entertainment. I didn't really understand that there you could be a producer or even what that world looked like. For me, it was always books. It was always being at the library, reading a ton and getting lost in storytelling and being kind of this a bit of an escapist kid who loved Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Star Wars. A lot of my early exposure to film was my dad showing me The Good, Bad, and The Ugly or Indiana Jones or Star Wars and that being kind of my first introduction to it. My first love was probably books, but then kind of realizing when I got to NYU, which has such a strong film program, that there are a lot of artists that need collaborators and need producers to be able to actually come in and help manifest their visions. So I graduated a year early, moved out to LA, the Fox Book Scouts guys really helped me to get kind of interviews at all these places. I ended up accepting a mailroom gig at UTA, which I think that was the thing that maybe freaked out my parents a little bit, is to graduate from NYU and then go into a mailroom. I found this really great article that said why Harvard grads are going to the mailroom and <laughs> sent that to them. As Rishi headed west, Lena was still writing away and making a name for herself in the industry and online. Her 2011 YouTube short, Shit Black Girls Say, went viral, racking up over 10 million views, and she found additional success with her web series 20s and Hello Cupid. Soon, Lena would find herself on the radar of a famed Hollywood casting director. 
I was trying to be a television writer. I wasn't even trying to write movies. I think because I had been in the TV space and was making a name for myself in the TV space, being an actor was never part of the plan. What happened was I did a, a pilot presentation for 20s. That I put that on the on YouTube. Justin Simeon directed those four scenes, and my friends Courtney Sauls, Mia Gervier, and Ashley Blaine Featherston were kind enough to be in it. All of which are actors on Dear White People. But at the time, that was us just figuring it out and shooting something and, and trying to find our voices. And we put that online and it just did really well. A lot of people tuned in, a lot of people watched it. People were like, what is this? And then we got some write-ups even about it. Allison Jones, who is a famed casting director, read about it and heard about it and wanted to meet with me. I was literally on set producing Dear White People, the feature, when I got a call from my then manager, this casting director wants to meet with you. And I was like, why does the casting director want to meet with me? I'm not casting anything. And he was like, I don't know. But she's like really well known. Like she casts bridesmaids, freaks and geeks, beep, and she wants to meet you. And I was just like, okay. Initially only wanting to write and never thinking of herself as an actress, Waif took a chance with Jones and found herself in front of the camera. She landed a minor role on Lisa Kudrow's The Comeback, her first official acting credit. It was a small part, but just the preparation she needed as a life-changing role was right around the corner. In that meeting, I think I could see that there would be space for me to, to, to be on screen. And I just still didn't see that. And she was like, hey, do you have any interest in auditioning? And I was like, I really don't. And she said, well, let me just bring you in for some stuff and just see what happens. I booked this little small part on the comeback season two on HBO. She had me coming to read for that. And then finally, the, the big break was she was casting Aziz's show, uh, which would ultimately become Master of None. But he wanted to do something old school. Aziz and Alan, the creators of the show, they wanted to do something different where they were like, we don't want to just you to send us actors. And because they were like, we're still figuring out what the show is. So they said, can you send us interesting people for us just to have a conversation with? And and then we'll decide who we want to read with. And, by, and she just said, you should see Lena Way. She's, she's very interesting. And so they, I went to Aziza's house. I sat with him in Allen. I was a big fan of Parks and Rec. I had sat through so many staff like meeting, like conversations, which is what that felt like. Where you literally have to go in and be your authentic self. And that's what I did. And then I got a call saying, okay, Aziz wants you to read with him. And of course I went in, we read, and, and, and the rest is history. Master of None was an instant success and Waith was a breakout star. But what really put her on the map was the release of the now classic Thanksgiving episode in Master of None's second season. The episode, co-written by Waith, was loosely based on her own experience coming out as a lesbian to her family. After hearing Waith recount the story in conversation, the show's star and creator, Aziz Ansari, insisted that they make an episode from it and that Waith write it. The episode became a cultural touchpoint and would win her an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series, making Waith the first black woman to win such an award. And with that, Lena Waith was overnight one of the most sought-after names in Hollywood. She was like one of the hottest writers in town and everyone wanted to work with her. I had been part of optioning this graphic novel called Black that was basically set in a world which only black people have superpowers. It was a really awesome graphic novel and we sent it to her for consideration and she liked it. She and this woman Kathy Kasakia came in with this really awesome take on the material. It was super ambitious and bold. I believe it ended in a race war. It was really kind of fun and interesting. And I think it was ultimately deemed a bit too controversial for the group that I was working with, but it kind of put me on her radar a little bit, you know? I was still the junior executive that wasn't talking a lot, but I was there. A few months later, 
her manager at the time, Andrew Coles, gave me a call and said, you know, Lena's looking for someone to run her company. Are you interested in interviewing? I was like, oh my God, absolutely. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot 
their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lena was on the verge of launching her own production company and looking to assemble a team. The chance to work with Lena Waith was a no-brainer for Rishi. The two decided to meet at LaMille Coffee Shop, a cafe in Silver Lake. Rishi knew that this was the opportunity of a lifetime, so he hit the film room to study and make sure that he was ready for the game. I just remember like prepping like crazy intensely hard for this thing, and I had all these like file folders with lists of writers and directors. I came with a stack of books that I thought that she should option. You know, it was really like this might game plan for year one of the company. He came to a coffee spot where I met him and came in with a whole plan. He was like, here's what I think you should be doing. This is what I think could be interesting. Here's a cool project. He just really came in and, and won. He won it. He took it. And I think that's what was so impressive. He had a, he literally had a folder. That's how old school you printed it up. It was a whole situation. And he just had papers and he was just like, I think it'd be cool if you were part of something like this. So what if you went over there? He just was sort of opening my mind to things that I just didn't think that I would ever like do. Where I'm like, well, no, I think I lean more toward this. And he's just like, but what if you lean toward this way? Or what if you produce this? Like, that's fresh. That's different. I haven't seen that. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen that either. I think that's sort of really where he and I bond is like, what hasn't been done? Who's missing? What stories haven't been told yet? And I think that to us is what's so exciting. And I think that to me was what really made me go, I got to work with this guy. And we've been down ever since. And the cool thing about it is we can say it. We're in this for our lives. He's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And I think there's a security in that. There's a safety in that. There's a knowing in that. And I think once you have that, once you know you can lean on somebody and they're there, and that creates a different kind of work ethic because his legacy is just intertwined with mine. An instant bond was born between Rishi and Lena as they both understood their mission in Hollywood was much larger than simply producing films. They were going to tell stories, give opportunities, and help underrepresented communities gain traction in the industry. Hillmengrad, a name that started as Lena's first Instagram handle, an homage to the fictional university from a different world, was starting to come into focus as a real entertainment company. Capitalizing on the growing industry buzz, Lena and Rishi went to work launching the first official Hillmengrad project, Boomerang, a comedy series based off the Eddie Murphy classic for BET. The first series that we did together was at the end of that first year. It was called Boomerang, and it was um, a show that we did for BET. It was based off of the, the Eddie Murphy, Halle Berry film. It was a wild experience because I had never really produced anything before. When you're at the studio, you don't really get hands-on, boots on the ground, producing experience. And so it became this crash course whirlwind for me where I moved to Atlanta for three months and got to learn how to make a TV show. It was really kind of bizarre and interesting because um, I was an executive producer on the show, and which is sort of like the highest title that one can have on a TV show. But I was the only executive producer that was a non-writing executive producer. And everybody else in that set had done a million hours more you know, TV production than me. I was there to learn. I was there to be the conduit between the production and the studio and the network, which is kind of what producers really do. But I just ask a million questions. I tried not to be the guy that came in thinking he knew anything because I literally didn't know anything. And you know, became very close to their producing director, David Warren, and our uh, pilot director, Dime Davis. 
what was really cool about that first season is that we gave a lot of directors that had never uh, gotten to direct television before their first episodes. Joel Taylor, you know, who's got a new Netflix movie. Sean Frank, who directed an incredible Mercedes commercial for us afterwards. Dime Davis, who went on to go do Black Lady Sketch Comedy Show. Tiffany Johnson, who went on to go direct a ton of TV. Avi Rockwell, who got her first episode on Boomerang Season 1, who we just wrapped her feature with Focus Features, 1001. It was my first TV show, but it was also a lot of people's first TV shows. I feel like I definitely made some mistakes along the way in the context of maybe not being thoughtful about a script and not having any cover for rain in it. We shot an entire episode in a parking lot. An experienced producer might look at that script and go, well, you know, if it rains, if there's bad weather, we need to have something that we can shoot. Why don't you try setting one of these things like, you know, at a gas station or something else or like a few scenes inside of that. But I did not do that. So cut to us being outside, everyone's miserable, the rain is coming down so hard. We have four days of terrible weather, which is the four days that we have to shoot this episode, and absolutely no cover built into the set at all. That's one of those learning opportunities where I'm looking around at a very miserable <laughs> director, crew, and cast, and going, huh, that's a, it's a good lesson. <laughs> it's a good lesson that I learned. But it's lots of things like that, you know, and running out of time, cutting pages on set of things, learning how to manage things, learning how to manage filmmakers, and both be supportive to the cast and crew, but also, you know, learning that fundamentally, like, as a producer, you're not always there to just be everybody's friend. You're also there to make hard decisions and be kind of ultimately the person who is responsible for delivering a great product at the end learned a lot of that stuff. That was season one of Boomerang, but that just catapulted us. The company just began to grow and grow. Boomerang was a success and ran for two seasons before Waith decided to shift her focus back to another scripted series that she had just launched prior to the formation of Hillmengrad, Showtime's The Shy. A coming-of-age drama based on Chicago's South Side, The Shy launched in 2018 to both critical and commercial success. I wanted to write a show about my city and I'd only written comedy because I was really, a, I'm like a comedy writer. That's what I think of myself as. But then I, I just was like, I want to do something about Chicago. But I was like, well, that to me feels more like a drama. I want to do an ensemble piece about the city, and I, but I was like, well, it's a drama. So I said, okay, I'm gonna try my hand at writing a drama. And I did, and that was the shy. I gathered a lot of drama writers who I know and respect and had them come and listen to a table read and of it. And we all walked out of there and just really thought, wow, this could be something. Though it seemed like Hillmengrad couldn't miss, a sexual misconduct claim on the set of The Shy at the start of season two shook up the cast, crew, and the company itself. As a result, two of the stars left the cast and Lena and Rishi were left to look inward. After some serious introspection, the two committed to figuring out how to make sure Hillmengrad was a safe and desirable place to work and truly represented the vision to which they were committed. Shy is, is really Hillmengrad's first thing and, and it's Actually, it's still an incredible crown jewel for the company. It was also such a testament to, to Lena being able to kind of weather the storm of that show. Losing your lead actor, losing showrunners, Lena having to step in and really kind of, you know, she, every single script goes through her computer for that show. We worked with a lot of different filmmakers, but I think we're finally kind of finding our footing and rhythm on it. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. 
Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you ride the books, Jin, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, huh? oh. run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hilmengrad was growing fast, and the inbound opportunities were coming even faster. Word had spread that if you had a story to tell, Hilmengrad was the best place to do it. To help oversee their rapidly expanding production slate, Lena and Rishi made a key hire in Naomi Funabashi, a Harvard grad who had worked her way up from an assistant at CAA all the way to VP of Programming and Development at Freeform, Funabashi rounded out the executive team and added another all-star to its roster. I oversee the film and television departments. As a producer, your job is to assemble the best team you can and the right team for each project and creatively support it as best you can. And I feel like you sit at this intersection of the creative and business where you have to understand the reasons why budgetarily there are restrictions or why something may not fit on a certain buyer's slate or things like that and help creatives navigate that side of things. And then on the flip side, also fight for your creative in terms of like, this is their vision, this is what they need to be successful. So you're sort of having both types of conversations and being a bridge between those two sides of things. It truly varies depending on the people on the project and what they need, their personalities, uh, you know, what type of project it is and where it is in the process. Rishi and Lena had done this incredible job of establishing it as this sort of lighthouse and this wave of change in the industry, you know, not only just seeing the types of stories that were presented and that like reflected all of us at the company and, and the worlds that we lived in, but also showing that thinking outside the box and change was possible in the industry generally. One of these stories was 40-Year-Old Version, a film about a 40-year-old playwright and teacher who finds herself drawn to a new career as a rapper. So 40-Year-Old Version was a project that Lena had championed, but it was written and directed by a woman named Rada Blank. And so 40-Year-Old Version was the first thing that we did as a company that was not a Lena-written piece, which was a really big deal for us. Lena actually took it one step further and invested her own money in the project because it was a project that had been passed on around town for... I believe six, seven years. And Lena really loved it, really loved the script, really kind of saw something in it. She said to me, Reese, we gotta get this done. And she put $500,000 in and we found the rest of the money, scrapped it together, shot it in New York, hustled it out for the Sundance deadlines, got into Sundance where it got, you know, a massive standing ovation and rave reviews and got into a big bidding war between you know, A24 and Participant and Netflix. I feel like I grew up reading about is like the Sundance bidding war where you're, you know, it's late at night, you're in houses and beautiful houses in Park City. When you're in the very lucky position of having multiple companies that are coming to you, they're all coming to present their strategy and their thoughts around it. And so they come in and they talk creatively about the project, like where they have notes on things, where they would like to maybe shift and re-edit some pieces of the movie. Then also what they would bring to it marketing-wise, scalability-wise, what kind of budget they have, how much money they're putting down for the film. And so you're weighing all these different factors to really go, okay, does this make sense as what we've always had as the vision for the release of this film? It's tough because we also live in a world where it's A24 that's talking about a theatrical release and then Netflix is talking about a streaming release, right? And that factors in and streamers can pay more than theatrical distributors. Streamers end up paying a lot more because you don't have the added benefit of box office bonuses on things. And so it's important for a Netflix or an Amazon to be able to outbid not just kind of the price point that an A24 or someone else comes in with but also be able to give you enough money so that you're not concerned about missing out on a box office like sensation. And so 
it was really tough for us. And ultimately, Netflix ended up winning the day. But then the pandemic hit. And so Netflix ended up being the best option for us completely because the movie wouldn't have come out for another couple of years, really, if we hadn't gone with them. That project became a real launching point for us because it, I think it made people look at us a little bit differently as being very legitimate producers that can come to Sundance with a film and knock everybody's socks off. It was a sort of crazy whirlwind for us that I think really established us as the advocates for artists to be able to look at somebody's passion project that they're writing, starring, and directing in that the town hadn't really seen. And in tandem with us just with us signing this Amazon deal for TV, so we're exclusively with Amazon for two years, it gave us the capital and the ability and the resources to start hiring more members of the team, which was a big relief for me. After the success of 40-Year-Old Version, Hillmengrad continued to search for stories to share. And Naomi quickly discovered that these stories can come from literally anywhere. You can come from anything. Books, comics, even in some cases Reddit threads. But also it's things that are personal to us. Sometimes it's just sitting with a writer too and you realize that you both are interested in telling this type of story and then you're brainstorming together, you're cracking a take. It can also just come in in terms of like, you meet a director and they're like, I have a passion project that I really want to make next. It's this thing we, a lot of times we say, as Homeland Grad, it, it is our job to sort of try to shift and change the expectation of what a story can be. And so we sometimes tell creatives that we're meeting, like, what's a story you've always wanted to tell, but people have said no. And a lot of times incredible stories come out of that. One of those stories was Queen and Slim, the 2019 film starring Daniel Kaluuya and Jody Turner-Smith. James Frey pitched me that idea about man and a woman, they get pulled over, kill a cop in self-defense and go on the run. I was like, oh, that's an interest. That's a movie. There's something there. And that's really where that was born. When I heard that idea, I was like, oh, now I got to write this. I'm inspired. Hillman Grad was racking up credits across Hollywood, but making sure that the company was an incubator for underrepresented creators remained paramount. So they expanded their focus on coaching young talent by hiring organizational leader Justin Riley as VP of Operations and Business Development. And with that addition, Hillmengrad recalibrated the ambitions of their mentorship program and decided it was time to go big. These first 12 months really have been focused on getting our company set. We hadn't really focused on that. It was more focused on the creative lens of let's get more projects. We need more help. We have more ideas. Here comes this opportunity. Let's push, push, push the creative element. But in pushing all of that, you also have to operationalize and organize your company to ensure that it can function at a high level on a day-to-day. So that's where I spend a lot of my time doing the boring stuff that no one likes to, to, to pay attention to, but we all know is critical to a business success. The key of what Lena preaches is mastering one's craft. She's very adamant of being well-studied, well-versed, and being knowledgeable about the space that you occupy. And so we wanted to create a, a, a program that really had an emphasis on teaching. Even though it's called the Mentorship Lab, it's not a traditional mentorship program where we pair you with someone in the industry, you meet once a month, you go have lunch, you have coffee in six months, you hopefully they can land you a, a position or a meeting somewhere. That's not what the program is. It's, it's really a nine-month creatives academy where you really go deep in your bag as a creative. So there's three tracks, one for writers, one for actors, and one for uh, execs. And we have a whole curriculum built out. We have uh, teachers that we have hired to teach this. They meet once a week, every Saturday for three hours. Right now, we are funding it through Alina's generosity. 
And I think that's what is something that's so special too, is because mentorship is so important to her that she was willing to reinvest her own money into tomorrow's future. Mentorship was such a huge part of my brand. I think that's because I was mentored, but I was doing it when I was an assistant. You know, when people would ask me things like, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I know. This is what does really well for me. Because I really was becoming a professional assistant at one point. I mean, it was crazy. But because I had such a good reputation, people were like, yeah, get her. She'll be great. Because I really did take it so seriously. I assisted Ava DuVernay and, and Gina Prince-Bythewood and Mara Brucker-Kill. I mean, these are people where I could not drop the ball. And that's why, for me, I just knew that there was always something to be shared, even from those days. And then, as obviously as I progressed in my career, I would just learn things. I would go, oh, that's not, shouldn't do that, or remember that. But you only learn from when you trip up, or when you make a mistake, or from when you slip and fall. So real mentorship is not just telling somebody, oh, I can get you a job, or here, come do this. It's really about, hey, like, what's going on with you mentally, emotionally? Why? Because what I've learned in terms of mentoring some people, especially when I was just starting out on my own, before I actually had a mentorship program, I found over the years, a lot of people have since left LA. I've gotten emails from people that said, you know what I learned while doing this? I don't want to be a writer. It sounded cool. I thought it was supposed to be cool. But then after getting into it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. This is hard. I got to sacrifice. I can't do this. I got to I got to rewrite again and again. And, and, then, uh, and then when I get into an actor, they may want to change it. And I got to put it out. And then I got to... It's so I'm like, yeah. And so what I try to do is tell people the truth about what the, what it really is. Because I think it's easy to kind of go on someone's my Instagram or somebody's social media and go, oh, it's so fun that you're at a premiere you're with this actor, you're at a party. And I know, and it's so difficult to show everybody the entire process. But the truth is, what we try to do is tell people the truth and say, this is what it means to be a working actor. This is what it means to be a writer. Because I think people think, oh, you're writing and you're getting paid to do it. But no, you're also dealing with a bunch of notes, execs. You know, you may disagree with your producing partner about how to end the film or what to do. And so I think those are the things that people don't necessarily think to tell you in the middle of a, the mentoring process. With the expansion of its mentorship program and a full slate of projects in production, Hillmengrad looks ahead with their core mission intact, to provide a platform for diverse voices across all mediums. And with a prodigious crop of new professional talent emerging from their program and looking to enter the industry, Hillmengrad is positioned for success long into the future. Over the past year and a half, I've been in this interesting position where the company has been growing and expanding. We have been starting a lot of new verticals the company, which has been really exciting. And so we have film and TV, which is the core business. We started a record label that's underneath Def Jam. We started a book publishing side um, under Zando Books, um, you know, are into the process of creating a branded content division, have the Hillmengrad Foundation and our mentorship programs and a really kind of uh, super fruitful partnership with Indeed that we've been doing on that front. We have a fashion line that's coming out. We've been talking about a cannabis line. We have a podcast division too. We're going to be launching our first podcast. You can't work at Hillman Grad and, and, and not champion underrepresented voices, not driven to create opportunities for those who are often overlooked and discounted and stepped over. That, that ethos is here. And if you ever hear Lena talk, you get that. If you see anything that we put out, whether that's on social, that's through our projects that we create out or any of the events that we do, it's very community-centered, POC-focused. When you can create a company that influences culture and has people talking about what you do beyond just the projects you create, you know there's something special there. 
I think transparency is the number one thing. It's the thing that I didn't have a lot coming up in the business. And so I, I really try to let our team know where we're at, let our team know we're at from a revenue perspective, knowing what we need to hit and why we're making the choices that we're making. You know, being able to bring people into collaborative, creative conversations about the mission of the company because we are still a startup in a lot of ways and we're still kind of defining our mission and what we all stand for. And I'd much prefer that mission be something that is defined by our team versus something that's weird and top down and feels like something that's just being put on everybody. It's transparency, it's listening, it's bringing people in the conversation, it's being able to take criticism. For me, it's getting to see and invest in talented creatives that we know are talented and see them get their shot, see them get their recognition, see people respond to the art and be like, that's my story too, I, I feel seen by this. No one is talking about this, but this person is. It's getting to see them have their shot and see that story be met with a lot of love and success. I mean, even on Chank and Dunk, I felt this personally, but I, I loved being in some test screenings where some people were like, oh, that's me. You know, growing up, I was that kid. I'd never seen myself on screen before, or I've never seen this moment between a mom and her son talking about food and flavoring. And it's little things, but it's a reminder that there are so many experiences that should be equally valued. And I think getting to see that is success for me. I want people to work with folks that they're not gonna be exactly like you, but they are like-minded and have the same mission. If you have five people working on a project and only four of them are about the mission and one of them isn't, there's gonna be friction. And so you gotta say like, hey, either we can keep this person or we can say, hey, well, you don't seem to be aligned with our mission. So we're gonna wish you well, and we're gonna find somebody who's more aligned and we're gonna keep it pushing. And that is true leadership to kind of say, hey, I gotta make sure everybody is following the same mission and we're on the same page. It's never been just me. And I think that's if I can impart anything on the next generation, it's like, get your community, get your crowd. Don't feel like you gotta do it by yourself. Don't do it by yourself. Do it with a group of people. Can we continue to be the champion for Voices? Can we continue to build this platform? and really stand for what we believe in? And I think the answer is yes. Each of these various divisions has the potential to grow to the size, scope, and scale that film and TV has. And so while it has been this kind of insane <laughs> venture to launch what it feels like six different businesses all at once, they all kind of fit into our core mission of being an entertainment company, a content company, that just happens to exist in various different mediums as well. So I think we probably wouldn't do anything that felt super out of the box for us or like in a completely different industry or business. But, you know, everything we have right now feels like it's part of the same mission. Biggest thing is us always doing a gut check. We don't want people to come in and be carbon copies of us. That don't help. You know, we want people with a different point of view, people that have different ideas. But the, the through line is, you gotta always have your heart in the right place. And we don't want people that wanna step over people. You know, it's about putting the person first. Determined to put the storyteller first, highlight underrepresented voices, and pave the way for young creatives, Hillmengrad's core mission propels them forward as industry leaders. With Lena's innate creativity, Rishi's business acumen, and the experience of role players like Naomi and Justin, Hilmingrad's success is a team effort and a product of creativity and hard work coming together from all angles. For Idea Generation, I'm Noah Callahan-Bever. Thanks for listening to the All Angles Podcast, presented by Will Packer Media.
If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to like, comment, DM, or tell a friend to tell a friend about Idea Generation and the All Angles podcast. We can't do any of this without your help, and honestly, your support means everything. We do this for you, and we can't do it without you. This episode was brought to you by Will Packer. Executive produced by John Volacek and Helena Ox. Original music by Valentin Fritz. Edit and sound mix by Nonsensible Production. And hosted by me, Idea Generation founder, Noah Callahan-Bever. Idea Generation's All Angles is a Will Packer Media podcast. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.